Bigfoot Society would like to thank the following sponsors for helping make the podcast possible. The Singular Fortean Society has combined open and honest paranormal investigation and journalism since 2016. Visit the Society at Singular Fortean for all the latest weird news and more. Come with us and investigate the impossible. Welcome to the Bigfoot Society podcast. Join me, your host, Jeremiah Byron, as I uncover the stories behind the people who make the wonderfully weird and the unexplained their life's work. We love chatting about cryptids and creatures that defy logic, but that won't stop us from having people show up that you might not expect. Check out our website, www.bigfootsocietypodcast.com. It's our base for all things social media, blogs, episodes, and everything else Bigfoot Society. Follow Bigfoot Society on Instagram to keep up to date with the community daily. If you'd like to support us and help us keep the lights on for the cost of less than a cup of coffee per month, then head on over to patreon.com forward slash Bigfoot Society, where for $5 a month, you'll get early access to the podcast before anyone else and exclusive access to our weekly Patreon-only Bigfoot Society After Dark podcast. It's where the week's guest stays on after everyone else leaves and shares their favorite creepy or cryptid story with me and you, the listener, as we're sitting around the campfire at our creepy cryptid summer camp. So head on over to patreon.com forward slash Bigfoot Society to also see all the shout-out, Zoom hangout, merch discounts, and more that you'll have access to as an official Bigfoot Society card-carrying member for only $5 a month. A little bit of This American Life and a little bit of In Search Of is what you're about to experience. So sit back, put your headphones on, Put your phone in your pocket and relax with your favorite beverage as I uncover the stories behind your favorite entertainers, researchers, and people you've never heard of in this episode of the Bigfoot Society Podcast. In this episode, I have the privilege of talking to Mark Purcell, Bigfoot historian and all-around cool guy that knows a lot about the Ape Canyon incident and much more, as you'll find out. Uh, talking to Mark was definitely one of the uh, interviews off of the bucket list had a great time just talking to uh, all around awesome human being and uh, how he's been able to learn so much uh, from previous newspaper articles and things it's just it's a mind-blowing interview and I hope you enjoy it uh, thanks again for coming on Mark so sit back and enjoy All right. Well, thanks for coming back to the Bigfoot Society podcast. I have uh, Mark Marcel with me today. Uh, I did get that right. Correct, Mark? That is correct. Awesome. I was like, I've listened to so many podcasts with you in the last, in the last few weeks. I better. But uh, Mark is a pretty cool dude. He does all sorts of stuff. He is a land surveyor by trade, also an aquarium owner in Westport, uh, Washington. Right. And he's also into playing music. And also known for some other things, uh, maybe want to uh, flesh out uh, the intro a little bit, kind of tell your backstory a little bit, Mark. Well, I mean, you pretty much covered it all, except okay. for the all right, cool. except for the other things that you were talking about. <laughs> but yeah, uh, yeah, I was uh, raised uh, just west of Portland uh, in a oh. what used to be a small town called Newburgh, and uh, my dad um, uh, got licensed as a land surveyor in 1963. And I started chopping brush and carrying stakes when I was about 10 or 12 years old. And he, I was basically raised as a land surveyor. 
And then um, I ended up getting licensed in Oregon in 1992 and Washington in 1993 and, and bought the business from dad in 95 and been running the family land surveying business ever since. So I have like a really long history awesome. of land surveying. Um, it, it was really a luxury, I got to tell you, Jeremiah, growing up as a land surveyor, because starting from scratch, I, do, I don't know if I could do it. Yeah. Um, but um, uh, pursuant to those other things that you were talking about, um, I, uh, I was born in 66. And so I grew up in that age, co coming of age in uh, the late 60s, early 70s, where there was this like big push in pop culture of stuff like the un, you know, unexplained mysteries, exactly, the unknown, yep. you know, and that there was a bunch of like B movies and docudramas um, that I saw like at the at the drive-in, actually oh, Newburgh Highway 99W drive-in, which is still in existence, wow. and uh, late late night TV stuff um, that gave rise to shows like In Search of mm -hmm. and The Night Stalker. And when I realize now that when I was seven or eight or nine years old, I just ate that stuff up like oh, crazy, yeah. you know? And so um, that's basically the short story of my lead in about how I got involved in Ape Canyon. <laughs> and yeah. uh, there, were, there was a movie called Sasquatch Legend of Bigfoot okay. um, circa 1976, I think, where Sasquatch Legend of Bigfoot jokingly i the acronym is slob but when i watch slob on on the late night on the late on the late night tv they had in that movie they had a recreation of the whole ape canyon incident of 1924 okay. and a lot of folks when you look on the internet look at look that up you'll see these shadowy figures up there on the cliff throwing boulders down on right the exactly and that image stuck with me yeah, like crazy for sure. It's so awesome. Yeah. It's just, it's an, I, I think it's like no matter who you are or what generation you're from, when it comes to Bigfooting, once you hear that story, it, it's just like you, it, it knocks you back. It's like, what is going on here? Like, this is nuts. Um, do you mind, uh, who this is a this is a loaded grenade I'm going to toss at you but um do you have like an elevator pitch for Ape Canyon or <laughs> you know what I mean yeah yeah and I try to I try to I try to keep this under uh, an hour or two right yeah <laughs> you know the Shane I... Corson 26 2016 episode is like fantastic monster x like that's intense that's yeah. a good episode yeah. Um, uh, what 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 I do, and I, I you know, I, I know that we have limited time, so I'm going to try to keep this short. Um, uh, just in case mm -hmm. uh, you have uh, viewers who don't know what Ape Canyon is all about, right. uh, what happened is that on July the 11th, 1924, a group of miners came off of Mount St. Helens, where they had been working a gold mine, a very small gold mine for about two years that spring late spring they had just built a, a 10 by 20 foot cabin um uh right by the gold mine and they came off the mountain and they met uh bill welch uh who was uh head of the columbia national forest 
now brought into the Gifford Pinchot National Forest at Spirit Lake. Okay. And uh, they told uh, Bill and they met his wife, Wilma, uh, we're giving up the mine, uh, we're giving up the cabin after working this gold mine for two years, which allegedly had very good assays on the gold mine. Um, I haven't been able to access the assay records on that because they're not public, but the gold mine was doing well, but they said, nope, we're giving it all up. Forget it. Absolutely not. Uh, after the previous night, Thursday, July the, July the 10th, um, after surviving an all night attack onto their cabin with uh, these creatures, mountain devils, as they say, Right. Uh, climbing up on the roof, raining down rocks uh, on top of the uh, cabin, trying to beat their way in. Uh, the miners that night had uh, torn apart their beds to bolster the door while they were held up inside this tiny 10-foot by 20-foot cabin, mm. trying to keep these creatures out. Uh, later in the research I was doing, uh, I found out that actually something was actually digging underneath the cabin, when the cabin was visited later, there was this huge what? hole where something was trying to dig its way in the oh, couple man. of days before, right? Mm. So they're like, forget it. We're giving it all up. All um, right. and Bill Welch, the forest ranger said, you know, the, the head, the patriarch of the whole mining crew was a guy named Marion Smith. And he was talking with Bill that morning as they were coming off the mountain. And we got him, Bill, Bill, we got him. We, man, we shot them. You know, Mar Marion, what'd you shoot? Uh, mountain devil. And Bill says, mountain devil? Really? Like cougar? No, a mountain <laughs> devil. I told you about, <laughs> was it Wolverine? No, it wasn't Wolverine. No, no, mountain devil. I and mean, Bill's like, oh, okay, Marion, yeah, whatever. Marion goes back to the truck to blast their way back home to Kelso. And Bill followed Marion as Marion is getting back into his pickup. And Bill said in an interview in 1966, uh, before he passed on, uh, that when he followed Marion around to that truck and looked inside where the other miners had already gotten into the truck, mm -hmm. he said he had never seen a group of grown men more scared in their life. There was what they were, wow. they were white as sheets. And so, um, that night it was, it was the basic rundown of the Ape Canyon attack. You got to remember though, that uh, the miners had experienced uh, a different kind of phenomenon, sightings uh, for mm. the previous, and, and sounds. Um, they saw footprints for the previous, at least two years while they're, they're up there working on the gold mine. So. Wow. That is awesome. That was a really good summary too, actually. Oh, right, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, if you want a really like longer version of that, that's amazing. Uh, go listen to the uh, Monster X Radio from 2017, uh, and I think it's a two part. But it's like it's solid, dude. It's solid. I was like, why isn't this in book form? Maybe it, is it in book form? Uh, well, it's about to be, sort of. Is um, it really? Oh yeah, wow! Yeah, it is. Um, I mean, again, I'm gonna try to keep this short. <laughs> and, no, go ahead. It's uh, my uh, my I, I I I married. I know everyone is married to the most wonderful person in the world. Totally, uh, but really, I am. Yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. I, I'm. I married my wife Catherine, and she has a long, long history 
of uh, library work with her and her mom and her grandmother. And, mm. um, you know, I've always enjoyed libraries, but I had no idea until I met Catherine. Uh, we, we've gotten a lot involved with different libraries, uh, but the Washington State Library um, uh, here in Washington uh, okay. for a number of years has um, run a zine contest. Zine is oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Zine. Little little magazines, right? Little magazine. And yeah. it, was a, it was a zine contest just for fun. And okay. uh, you don't, well, you get a, a prize for it. It's a sh small prize because it's a library. And okay. I was always, and it has, the zine contest has to be about Washington state history. Mm. And the submitters have to be Washington state residents. Well, about a year ago, we had bad snows for about a week or so. And I couldn't go anywhere. So it's like, Right, actually, right here in this room, I sat down. I'm going to make a zine about Ape Canyon called Mountain wow. Devil, and it's oh, about nice. 30 pages. And I submitted it, and um, amazingly, it won. Wow, I got, cool! I got, I got 75 bucks. All right, dude, <laughs> and, it's party and bra time. And bragging rights. Yeah, so, exactly. So that little zine, Mountain Devil, actually inspired me to uh, make the bigger book. Uh, which is getting towards completion. I'm planning like around 200 to 250 pages. Oh, that makes me so happy. Everything you want to know about yeah. it. Oh, man. So. The, the whole time listening to other interviews with you, I'm like, this guy needs to make a book right Thanks. now. Like he <laughs> needs to make a book because it's like, because you kept saying like, yeah, I put this up in like this, in this forum a few years ago. And I'm like, is this going to get lost? Like, why is it this? Uh, so I'm super happy that you're making a book. That is amazing. And I'm going to be Thanks. all about it. Um, okay. Man. Yeah. It's like, so I'm in, I'm in Iowa, right? I grew up in Massachusetts. And so I'm, I'm, you know, in my late thirties, but I haven't really gotten into like the older Bigfoot movies. And like last week, I, for some reason, I was like, I, I stumbled upon in search of Bigfoot just oh. fell in love with it. I was like, this is the coolest thing. And I'm like, this is amazing. And I'm like, okay, Mount Saint, it's Mount St. Helens, right? That area. That's correct. And I'm, yeah. I'm talking to Mark Madsky. I'm like, this yeah. movie is awesome. Like, how did I not know about this? And he's like, yeah, it's crazy to think that same area is like where the mountain exploded. And I'm like, whoa, I didn't even think about that. The, the whole, that documentary is before the mountain exploded because it's like 76 and the mountain exploded in 83, right? Uh, the, like first, the, the first eruption was 1980. Okay. Okay. It was 1980. And then there were subsequent eruptions, sm smaller ones. Um, so cool. That. Um, and actually, I remember uh, I was 14 years old driving with a friend over the, uh, over the Markham Bridge in Portland, which is the highest bridge. Oh, yeah. And I had some other friends in the back. And it was that day in May in 1980. And we're rounding the bridge. And it's a clear day. And the mm. mountain, is, the mountain is just going off, and everyone yeah. in the back was like, "What's that?" I'm like, <laughs> "St. Helens, have you not been listening to the news?" <laughs> you know, wow. But, but that that's when that's when it went off, and um, uh, we'll we'll get into this more. Okay. Uh, but that but that was one of the that was one of the questions of where the attack took place in 1924 is incredibly close to mm. to the peak of the mountain um i'm oh, going to wow. estimate about a mile and a half or so mm. 
and uh, it's right it's right on it's right on the east uh, shoulder of the mountain way up at the timber line and so why do, why do, why could we think that any evidence of where this attack took place any evidence of the cabin site any yeah. evidence of the miners activities any evidence of the mine could survive that eruption in 1980, which of course was just cataclysmic, right? Mm -hmm. What happened is that the mountain mainly blew off to the north, um, but of course it's a volcano and it's it's blowing right. up. Uh, the majority of, of, of the blast headed north, but it like instantly melted all the glaciers mm -hmm. around it, right? Oh man. So this is, all, they, they were already starting to melt by May 16th or whatever the date was. Um, but of course, a volcano is gonna melt it instantly. Yeah, so right. immediately we have pyroclastic flows running down the mountain at 60 miles an hour. But also on top of that, we have um, melted glaciers mixed with mud and rock shooting down the mountain like crazy just scouring everything right mm. well the um through it through through a very very strange um topographical coincidence basically um <laughs> where pumice butte is just east of the peak of the mountain heading down there pumice butte is defined on the north side by a canyon and on the south side by what is now known as ape canyon also shooting off to the south is the muddy river so these mud flows were barreling down the mountain like crazy they went up and scoured the west side of pumice butte splashed back down and then the drainage from there went into those ca canyons around pumice butte and down the river uh, down the muddy river hmm. thereby spared the east side of the butte where fortunately later, around 1984, a USGS report was published by a fellow named Mullineau and his partner, where they went around the mountain and uh, looked at the impacts of the eruption four yeah. years previously. Fortunately, one of their study areas was Ape Canyon and Pumice Butte. They mm -hmm. noted all this about how everything came down and went down into the canyons and went down the muddy river but they noted that on the east side of Pumice Butte, there was about that much, maybe an inch or two worth of ash, ash and pumice. Oh. Below that was just natural ground because hmm. all, all, all the ash and pumice shot straight up into the atmosphere, in the stratosphere, and the winds took it off. So the east side of Pumice Butte was very, very much spared. So when I started awesome. to get into the research, of where the cabin site of the 1924 attack could have been. It, there was not a map or anything like that. Um, I started to realize it could have very well been on the east side of Pumice Butte that was spared by the eruption. And so later, wow. that's where we started to find evidence of, of the cabin site. That is so cool. By some Man. strange coincidence, it was all spared. You're, consi you're definitely considered, I would say, I'm going to say you're definitely the expert on, or there's different ways. You're definitely, I'm going to say, I know you're a very humble guy, but you are, I would say you're the expert on things like Ape Canyon and also 
there's some other things that you've been looking into as well. Um, it, Shane has a way of saying you're like the Indiana Jones of like Bigfoot attack stories. Is that what it, how he says it? Yeah, you can, you can, you can. I'm, <laughs> I'm kind of embarrassed about that, uh, but yeah, that you can. That's really cool. Is can, this you, Temple of Doom, Indy, or is it Last Crusade, no. or is it the Fate of Atlantis game from Lucas Arts? Like, I kind of want to know, but we'll just leave yeah. It well, that, actually, but. you know, the being a land surveyor, I gotta say, I feel like. Well, first of all, you can attribute you can attribute that term to Shane. Okay. Shane was the one who came up with it. Fantastic. And, but uh, being a land surveyor, um, the only thing I'm not humble about is that I, I think I'm a good finder because nice. it's like you know Jeremiah, you have five acres and it was surveyed, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in 1890, and uh, there are two inch iron pipes way out in the middle of the woods. I can find those iron pipes about where your property corners are, you know? Oh man. And so I, I, t- I tend to be a good finder and we can talk more about that. Uh, but um, um, I, I, I gotta say, as far as the Indiana Jones kick, um, it, if it's historical and there is any physical evidence left, um, nothing is off my bucket list. That's I mean, awesome. You know, give, give the Ark of the Covenant. Sure. I could find. Yeah, that. let's rock and roll. <laughs> <laughs> um, how long did it take you to to get? Uh, how many years of research did it take to get all this Ape Canyon stuff together? Your your file must be super thick of like if there's an Ape Canyon folder, which hopefully it is kept really safe in in a fireproof box. But sorry, okay, it's not. It was just under the desk. Oh snap! It's in a really cool leather satchel. Yeah, uh, my friend Brad, uh, who has been with me, uh, well, to answer your question, I've been working on Ape Canyon, uh, golly, for ten years or so. Um, mm. And my friend Brad calls this the football. Yeah, it is. It totally <laughs> is. Yeah, it's the football. This, this, this is nice. a leather briefcase that I got from my dad that he never really used. But anyway, this is this is this is basically the ape. This is Ape Canyon. Right. Oh my right there. Look at that. Some, oh boy. Got some aerial photos, you know. Yeah, that's got cool, a lot man. Newspaper jazz in there. That's cool. And I have a, I have a lot on um I have of course a lot digitally as well. Good. Uh with, yeah. Um uh, yeah. both again back on the kick with my wife Catherine. Um well, I need to clean up my computer files and get everything off of the computer printed on paper and put mm. in the file and mm. i have about one or two more working trips up at Ape canyon my main one is that i need to map the evidence that was found i need to find i need to map the evidence of the cabin different different features of the story okay. and then uh, once all that's done um the uh the that file the football gets copied and wow. cop, cop, copies go to safe places uh, number one is going to be the um, head of archaeology for the Gifford Pinchot mm. National Forest. Awesome. And yeah. then also a copy goes to Cliff at uh, Very his good. museum. Yep. And oh, one copy so good. goes to Brad. Because the thing is, I don't want to get hit by a bus and have all these Bigfooters knocking on Catherine's door say, oh, do you have that Ape Canyon stuff before Mark got hit by a bus and died? You know. <laughs> Wait, oh, who's Brad? Oh, Brad Angus, uh, aka uh, oh. Angus Man. 
I've, uh, he, I've heard the name. Okay. Yeah. 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 He, he, uh, yeah. Uh, Brad's been my friend since uh, 1996. Okay. Um, and uh, we're, we're, we're great friends. And uh, he's been with me almost on every, on every Ape Canyon trip. That's awesome. Um, That's so, really cool. Yeah. He's kind of like under the radar kind of, Eight Canyon Bigfoot guy, <laughs> but anyway, those, those are the guys you want to talk to. Yeah, that's right, cool. Exactly. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, to, to answer your question, though, uh, I got involved re-researching Eight Canyon, which I kind of felt like I was. Well, I I wasn't I wasn't re-researching it from scratch, but I wanted to re-research it from scratch, mm. as if you know, like we talked about about these uh, recreations and in, in in search of. Or with Sasquatch Legend of Bigfoot, you know, you know, we saw we saw these recreations when we were kids on these TV shows and in these movies, but I wanted to approach it as if I had never heard of it before. And mm. so that was in the vicinity of like 10, 11 years ago or okay. so, something like that. Interesting. And uh, with Ape Canyon in particular, um, I started getting into it and just you know, doing document research, the, I, I approach this as a land surveyor. What document evidence is in the record of what happened in 1924? Well, between 1922 and 1924, what document evidence is there? And mm -hmm. I found that there was just this tremendous amount, this, this mountain of document evidence of, of, of interviews with the miners, some photos, mining records, all kinds of different records that lent itself to Ape Canyon that provided a much larger, richer story than we had, uh, uh, that, I, that I, I didn't expect. I, I, never, I never thought. And so that's why I say it's 10 years ago and I'm still working on it Man. because there's, there's so much to grind through. And mm -hmm. sometimes... Um, I speak at conferences or I talk to people okay. and it's like, oh my goodness, someone approaches me or I find out another lead, another little tidbit oh, man. regarding yeah. Ape Canyon. Um, mm. And you can't, you can't, you can't leave that alone. You got to. Yeah, you can't. That lead, yep. you exactly. So. No, I totally get it. One of my, uh, one of my audience questions from Western Bigfoot Exploration uh, is how hard is it to, so this is referring to Ape Canyon, obviously, huh? uh, how hard is it to get where they think it is and when can we go? So it's kind of like half funny, but half. So really what I, it, it's hard to get there, right? Extremely. Okay. Like Extremely. really hard. Yes. Really, really. Wow. Yes. Um, I've had more than one person. Mm, I really want to go, you know, Jeremiah, yeah. you're calling me up. It's like, Mark, 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 you know, can you take me? Can you take me? And I send you photos and I'm like, you know, when you come out, Jeremiah, you know, I will take you up there if you want, but I'm going to send you photos. I'm going to mm -hmm. explain everything yeah. as best I can. And um, I've had, I've done that with plenty of people. Um, you have to go up to that top of Pumice Butte the mountains, the mountain Islands is over there a mile. You get to the top of Pumice Butte and you have to go down that butte. And um, I can, I have gotten a lot of people, well, not a lot of people, maybe eight or nine people down to the bottom and up safely. 
but I've gotten so many people up to the top of the butte where you're ready to make the descent down to the cabin yeah. site and they look down and they're like, like no <laughs> I'm gonna go back to camp I'll you know oh, I'll wow. catch you later you know where they just where they just bail because it, it's very scary it's over a it's over a hard scrabble scree slope with a, a lot mm. of you know funky funky loose rocks and um yikes at, at the end at the end of those loose rocks just in case you lose you lose your footing there's yeah. nothing to grab onto oh. and at the bottom of the slope um you can slide on down down to the bottom of the slope and then you're dropping down 200 feet to the bottom of a canyon no way away uh, oh man yeah are are there like i'm i'm immediately imagining like a Bigfoot just like totally running straight up that like doesn't even matter. Like that would be crazy because well, they can like do stuff. Like, well, the stories always say that like they're like, boom, they're up the mountain or like, you know, that's one thing so. about the east side of Pumice Butte where the 1924 attack attack took place. Mm -hmm. um, getting back to that USGS report. Yeah. Uh, I, uh, I, you know, where they mentioned that the east side of Pumice Butte is very little, you know, impacted by the eruption. Um, I, I got aerial photos of this, uh, this immediate area as far back as I could. Uh, the early aerial photos was like, you know, 1952 or 1953. They were very high altitude um, uh, aerial photos, but they were high resolution. So I was able to like get paper prints and really zoom in on the area. I found mm. that that immediate area where the cabin site is comparing aerial photos from the fifties, the seventies, eighties, it, it's basically stayed the same. Wow. And, um, again, uh, getting back down to the cabin site, Man, once you're down to the cabin site, holy smokes! Uh, <laughs> there are dug fur down there that are a good 60, 72 inches in diameter. What massive, massive tree! Oh man! Only again a mile and a half from the top of the mountain. These That's trees crazy. are much, much older than 1924, right? So they survived yeah. the eruption. I found that the landscape on the east side of Pumice Butte as far as like where bushes are, where rock outcroppings are, um, it was the same before the eruption and after the eruption. And so following mm. the story of the miners, uh, their first encounter um, with, sighting, with sighting one of these creatures was before July the 4th of 1924, where uh, Marion and Fred Beck were going to the spring to get water about 75 feet away from the cabin, uh, they, uh, they get to the spring and they see down there uh, behind a cedar tree, there's this large seven, eight foot tall hair covered creature peeking out from behind this tree. Fred Beck takes three shots immediately. And um, they said that the, Fred and Marion were well known as being crack shots. Okay. And also being very, very square gotcha. and uh, very, uh, 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 the pun, no pun intended, but straight shooters. What right. they said was what happened and what they were going to do is what they were going to do. 
uh, Fred and Marion said you could see the skin of the cedar tree, the bark of the cedar tree, skinning off with, with Fred's bullets. They go over there and they get to the cedar tree and uh, there's no animal, there's no blood, there's no fur, there's no nothing. And uh, they are there at the tree and it's like, you know, what, what, what were we shooting at? And up the other side of the draw, you can see this creature going up the way that Marion and Fred described it. The, the creature was going up this other slope, this other scree slope, turning around. I often like to think much like the Patterson-Gimlin film of turning around and looking at them and continuing up the draw and down the other side, right? It's crazy. So, I mean, this is very precipitous, dangerous area, right? Man. Um, it's incredibly oh, man. dangerous, you know? So half, half the stuff, um, I, you know, again, Catherine's great because I came home and she was like, I don't want to know what you did. Don't, don't tell me what happened. Yeah, yeah just it's good you're back. Keep yeah, coming back. Right, exactly. Keep yeah, coming right. back alive. Right. When you, when you go to the campsite, does it ever go through your mind? Are you like amped up or like, are you like, okay, just be cool. Or like, are you like, maybe they're gonna be here this time. Like, you know, does that ever go through your head when you go to the camps, the uh, cabin site? Well, heck yeah. Um, yeah, totally. Uh, sorry. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, again, short story. I'm going to try to make this short. <laughs> okay. the, weird, the weird thing about it is that in, um, we found, um, at the time, I felt that, yes, we found definitive evidence in 2013 mm. of, the, of the cabin site. Uh, we ended up finding, it was only me and one other friend, uh, Gabe Temme, who uh, made it down that far. Like I said, everyone bailed and stayed up, stayed up wow. at the top. Um, but we found um, evidence of the foundation of the cabin. Uh, okay. We found nails in the ground. Uh, we found a spoon. Uh, we found baling wire. As far as the foundation goes, we found uh, the the cabin is a, a ten or was a ten foot by uh, twenty foot uh, cabin. It when you're out there, it's just rocks and trees. Uh, but down, just just below grade, we were able to find the foundation, an old rotten log on the long side of the twenty foot side, finding nails in the ground, and then we found the the foundation log with the nail still driven into it that's crazy. where you take the head of the nail out of this hunk of wood and mm -hmm. you're pulling the rusty nail out and there's still wood attached to it i spoke with a friend uh who really knows uh early 20th century hardware okay he's nice like, he's just like really into old hardware yeah and totally. I sent him photos of these nails and he's like, yes, these are early 20th century, late 19th century nails. Talked to a log cabin guy. I didn't understand how to build a log cabin, uh, but building a log cabin, you lay, lay the log down, the first log down, mm -hmm. and you have to drive nails mm -hmm. diagonally into the top in, at intervals along that log so that when you put the log, next log on top, it just doesn't fall off, right? Gotcha. And so that's what we were finding in this foundation, right? You know, of this foundation log along there. Um, so anyway, uh, that, that was, that was the 2013 discovery. And as, as okay. I've worked more through the field research through more of the document research, then yeah, you know, that's the cabin site 
95 percent sure That's but awesome. getting back but getting back to your story about trepidation <laughs> yeah um, 2013 was a strange strange trip not only did we find evidence of the uh, of the cabin site from 1924 but it was a it was a strange it was a strange weekend i gotta tell you mm. uh, we were up there on friday and um uh there's a place where we camp close by and uh brad uh uh, this is way up above the cabin site, maybe about a thousand feet, maybe about a quarter of a mile away. And Brad, it was about midnight or one and uh, Brad's in his tent bash a tarp thing. And, um, you know, he's like, man, I, you know, I got to go pee. He gets up middle of the night. It's dark. <laughs> Nobody around just West of us. He hears something. Oh man. The way Brad described it, he described it as a drunken biker. Uh, Something out there about a thousand feet out in the darkness in the woods talking to him. And like Brad says, all you can do is get back in your tent and pull the sleeping bag up over your ears and close your eyes. And be like, don't think of Willow Creek. Don't think of Willow Creek. Yeah, right, exactly, yeah. Just go to bed. Or like Blair Witch Project or something, right? Yeah, exactly, totally. (laughs) I know, I just want to go home. Oh Um, my goodness. So Saturday night, um, Saturday day was the uh, day where we um, ended up finding evidence of uh, the cabin site. Okay. So we're back up at camp and it's like, you know, oh my goodness, you know, this is like a dream. It, I, I still feel like it's a dream. I can't believe that this actually happened. Um, that finding, finding the cabin site evidence. Um, it was, uh, so it was uh, uh, late June of 2013 and um, the sun's going down. So it's summertime and and you're you're way up at the timber line. There's not there are not a lot of trees around, so the sun goes down pretty darn late. It was about eight thirty or so, and the sun's kind of going down, and we're hanging out, and a friend Ben uh, is on the edge of of sort of a small draw, and he's like, "Shut up, shut up, come here, come here," and we're like, "You wonder what? Sh- shut up, be quiet, come here." We all stand up. There's five of us. We all stand at the edge. <clears throat> and up there, up above us on the ridge line, you can hear it. Something up there in the trees just below the mm. glacier line. Oh, man. Is something up there is talking. Are we talking like Sierra sound no, style? No, 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 no. What? And we're like, what oh, the no. hell is that? Okay, this goes on. It's mm. a little chatter. It, it's, it sounds like the Sierra sounds. Honestly. Oh, yeah, totally. And so this goes on for about three or four minutes. Oh, and man. then if you could follow your eye to the south towards the Lewis River along that ridge line, about four or five minutes later, there's something else up there. And so you can hear the two of them talking back and forth to each other. Another, they do this for another five minutes or so. And then there's a third one, another five, six, seven minutes later, 
there's a fourth one way down there. And it's like some people heard the fifth one. I heard the fifth one way, like, I don't know, about three miles down the ridge line. You have number one, number two, number three, number four, number five in sequence. And they're talking back and forth to each other. And I have never had, as Shane Corson says, that confirmation experience. There's a creature right there in front of you. Okay. Uh, um, That is kind of my confirmation experience. I mean, that would be enough. I'd be like, dude, that's it. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. And that's what some people were talking about. It's like, Mm. uh, we're out of here. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. let's go to bed. Come on. And so, you know, everyone stays and uh, we all go to bed. And then uh, it's about, again, it's summer. It's maybe about 6.30 or 7. And at the time, I'm just using like a little Hello Kitty dome tent with like a little screen thing at the top. <laughs> I, I barely fit into it. I'm That's like awesome. you know, six and a half feet tall or whatever. Um, yeah. But um, I, I wake up about 6.30 or 7 and I can see through the screen the lumens in the morning, the light of the sun coming up is about the same amount of light that was at sunset that night before. And I wake up Wow! and I start to hear them talk up on the ridge line again. Okay. Uh. So I pull the sleeping bag up over my ears and I go to bed. And so about eight o'clock, a couple hours later, um, uh, we all get up and we're making coffee and Ben gets up with us and he's like, did you guys smell that? No way. And I'm like, no, I didn't smell anything. Apparently there was some smell right there where we were enough to wake him up. Whoa. And I was like, and he said it was like like this intense animal, musky animal smell right there where we were. And I was like, well, did you look out? And he's like, no. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's the last time you look out at anything. Right. Exactly. It's like crazy, man. I know you're just going to burrito wrap and you're going to be, you know, on on David Pilates missing 411. You know, so anyway, but that, that was, that was, that was, that was the strangest weekend up there. I've been up there a lot. That was a strangest weekend. So if you want to think like, you know, in the bigger picture, the weird thing is, is that in the 1924 attack, there were five men up there Mm -hmm. that year in uh, 2013, there were five of us. And the the other thing that kind of tripped me out is that uh, in the story of uh, that week when the miners were attacked, were attacked, Fred Beck ended up um, uh, chipping a tooth. And he uh, went to Marion, who had the car keys, the truck keys. And uh, he was like, my tooth hurts. You've got to take me to the dentist. And Marion was like, no, no, no. There's too much gold up here. We got to keep going. And so he didn't take him to the dentist. Well, uh, the night before, I'm in my tent and I'm chewing on nuts and I'm chewing on stuff. And it's like crack. And I, I look oh, and, no. I, and I chip a tooth and I'm like, it hurt a little bit. I don't oh. have very good teeth. It hurt a little bit. But I looked at that. And I was like, Fred Beck's tooth, man. I think, man, oh, man, this is very, very strange. Gotcha. And gotcha. so suddenly all, you know, my mind starts going and everything yeah. starts snowballing. <laughs> that's, that's crazy. Um, 
There's a question. Uh, so Greg from the Patreon asked, have you considered trying to find other infamous Bigfoot encounter locations? Uh, if so, what are your top picks? Um, we can uh, talk about that some more. Uh, but like I talked about, um, uh, I just have one more working trip for Ape Canyon. Um, in in mm. order to work on the big book for Mountain Devil. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, um, I just have one more working trip because, like I said, I'm, I'm taking the football and copying yep. it off and, and giving it over That's to smart. the Forest Service, you smart. know. Um, uh, one, one thing I got to say is that the Ape Canyon, the 1924 Ape Canyon site is listed as a historical resource oh. in, in the Gifford Pinchot National Forest, even though they never found it. In the document record, they consider it a historical resource and, a, and an, an important archaeological site, even though they never found it. So it is protected for the Forest Service and for the Volcanic National Monument. So I'm, you know, I want to copy all this off and give it to them totally. um, after I get done with the survey of the site. And so that's going to be putting to bed uh, my working trips up to Ape Canyon. As long as I'm able to, I'm probably going to go to Ape Canyon for the rest of my life because it's really cool up there. Yeah. Right. Um, but um, now for the past, mm, I don't know, five years or so, four or five years, I've gotten involved in another project, which we can talk about later. Um, it's called the Thompson, Thompson Flat Monster. Oh, and totally. The Thompson Flat Monster uh, was a series of events that took place in Southwest Oregon um, on, this, on the uh, South Fork of the Sixes River. Um, it's, just, it's just about, oh golly, about 60 or 70 miles north of the Oregon-California border. But it took place over a period of about 30 years um, where uh, there were numerous attacks um, in this very small, this is kind of weird, in this very small gold mining area gold miners mm. and, and the la one of the last one of the last ones was in 1904 uh where a fellow and two younger men were held up in their cabin beaten that's, up that's the weird. cabin was built up you know was was beaten up by this creature they opened up the door and there's this big hair covered creature this predated ape canyon by 20 years Whoa, similarly weird. They took shots at the creature, seemingly to no effect. The mm. very strange thing about Thompson Flat, too, is that um, uh, it, it's, it's going to be a very, very long project where I have to get into medical records and death records oh, because wow. there were uh, four people killed up there by unexplained means. Um, either Whoa. their heads were bashed in or their bodies were beaten to a pulp. Ooh, so yikes. that's Thompson Platt. Wow. Yep. <laughs> so you said that is really late 1800s, early yes. 1900s. Yeah. Uh, 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 starting. Well, yeah, the mining activities started up there in 1874 um, and it lasted through about 1910 or so uh, about a 25 to 30 year period. And there was numerous, numerous sightings up there. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah. Um, one question I didn't get to ask earlier about your the zine. I think zines. I went. We went to Portland once uh, for a 
vacation and the zines are really cool like zine culture is legit if you don't know what we're talking about look it up it's crazy but (laughs) is there a way to like purchase your zine that's like did you only print a few or like what's the Uh, no i i no i print them on demand oh okay cool I, i basically just print them on demand um and so uh right now I'm 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 such a nerd junkie when it comes to like Bigfoot literature. Mm. Uh, every time uh, that someone orders one, um, uh, they get they get it signed and I send it out, um, nice. and it gets numbered and it gets oh, written snap. down. And so down in my file, every single copy of my little zine, yeah, I have record of who it went out to. And that's so cool. You know what I mean? That's awesome. So I I tell you what, it's, it's probably too much uh, info for the podcast, but what I'll do, Jeremiah is I'll (laughs) send you uh, all, all I do is like, I, right now I have about 10 copies and I just do PayPal and uh, you just email me with, you know, your PayPal payment. I'm running with 20 bucks each. Yeah, uh, yeah, sure. uh, Signed and posted page. And nice. so I'll, uh, I'll, I'll send you the info on that and maybe you could share it out with. Uh, oh yeah, totally. Yeah. I, I will uh, share that. No problem all over the place. Yeah. Okay. Thank yeah. You. That is no problem. Just hook me up with the info on that. Okay. Um, how do you, f- um, there's a question I'm trying to formulate here and it it's, I feel like you have, you could have a lot of good advice for the next generation of big footers in cryptozoologists being a big we, we are we are the next generation it's us man no i'm just dude joking. no <laughs> like it's it, you think i'm the next generation there's like dudes that are like bigfoot podcasting at age 15 like we're not it anymore like it's it's keep it, it's it's moving it's moving you know like yeah i know yeah <laughs> yeah do you have any advice for these these young uh young kids like you know like uh uh, well, of course, you know, yeah. like we talked about podcasting, that that's your biz. I, I don't know anything about it. Well, uh, but, well yeah, 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 I didn't mean that. Research but, yeah, goes. No. Yes, yes, uh, exactly. As, as far as research goes, um, yeah, and I can wax philosophical on this for a very, very long time. Mm. But the uh, but the root of it, um, again, this kind of goes back to my land surveying life. Yeah. Um, and uh, okay, I'm going to get really boring on this for a quick second. Go for it. But, Go for it. Yeah. But, but um, uh, the way the way land surveying works on, and particularly like I talked about about your five acres or you know whatever property you own, mm-hmm. um, and you need to find out where your property corners are. Okay. Um, so what do you do? You hire a land surveyor. The first thing that any land surveyor is going to do is look into the document record. They're gonna look into the deed record. They're gonna look into the survey record. If you're close to a railroad, maybe the railroad's not, hasn't been there for a hundred years. You're gonna look into railroad records. You're gonna look at every single piece of document evidence possible that may lend information, document evidence, towards figuring out where your property corners are. Okay, so uh, you find out in the document record, there's an iron pipe here, uh, half a mile away, uh, 2,640 feet, there was another iron pipe there and say north of that, 1320, there's another iron pipe. 
I need to find those iron pipes in order to figure out your property boundaries. Mm -hmm. I go out in the field because you're expecting me to come out and set up the tripod and the instrument and put on my vest and chop right. brush. I need to find <laughs> yeah. those iron pipes. Okay. So mm -hmm. let's say those two iron pipes were 2,640 feet apart. Well, I measure it mm -hmm. and it's 2,639. It's 2,641. It's 2,650 or whatever. Yeah. I turn out the angle and I go north 1,320. I measure out 1,322. Is that, are those the original iron pipes? Should I use them? Should I not use them? What I'm trying to say is you have document evidence mm -hmm. in any kind of field of research and you take that off document evidence and you put it to the test. You put it on the ground and you start collecting field evidence. You will find that the document evidence 100 years ago, 10 years ago, may not jibe with the field evidence that you're finding today, right? So you have to like go through it all, see what fits together, see what doesn't fit together and try to put together the whole story. With land surveying, I have to make conclusions because that's what people pay me for. Right. But in Bigfoot research or any kind of research, you, you may not be required to come up, come up with conclusions, but you are going to be required in order to collect all the evidence and see what matches, see what makes sense, see what doesn't make sense. I have, as an example, with 1924 with Ape Canyon, mm -hmm. we have Fred Beck's book that he wrote with his son, Ronald, right? right. I fought the Ape Man of Mount St. Helens, and we have Fred's story. But... We also have, in, in, the, in the football down here, we right. have interviews with the miners that were taken a week after the attack. Some of that jibes with Fred's story 40 mm. years later. Some of it does not. The Trust other great you. thing is that I was able to interview um, a woman uh, who is a grandmother of uh, a good friend of mine, uh, this older woman. Uh, happens to be uh, the daughter of one of the original miners. Wow. And I was able to meet her and we talked. I got a, I got a recorded interview with her oh, and cool. we talked at length. I was able to interview Fred Beck's uh, grandson. Uh, Rod Beck grew up with his grandfather, grew up with Fred, and I was able to get his story as well. So you're taking, in the example of Ape Canyon, you're taking... Um, the interviews with the miners and what the reporters saw up there in 1924, you're taking Fred Beck's book and then you're taking interviews with family members who remember their fathers and remember their grandfathers. And now with Ape Canyon, you're able to take the field evidence. How, wow. does, how do all these little pieces of the puzzle all fit together? Do they fit together or don't they? Right. So you just have to put together this whole basket full worth of clues. And when, again, anytime you get this tiny little hint, oh, my friend, oh, my friend over there, he said that he saw this thing up there on the road. You mm -hmm. know, he saw this thing up on the road and then he saw some tracks. Who's your friend? What's his phone number? 
track down those yep. leads to death to the bitter end you may call the friend and he's like oh no i didn't see that you know that other guy he was drunk and made up that story i didn't see anything right. or yeah no actually actually no i didn't see that we're talking about another guy go find mm. that guy track down every single lead track it down to its better end and that's that's my advice for anybody doing any research in bigfoot or eight that is good advice. Um, will have you brought a sound recorder of any kind to the camp, the cabin site? I have. Okay. And I got, I got nothing. Okay. All right. That, that, that story, <laughs> that yeah, story from yeah. 2013, I didn't have a sound recorder. But, oh um, man. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But obviously um, I take one up yeah. there now. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I would too. I would be like, yeah, I'd be like GoPro on me. You sound bet. recorder all that good stuff yeah <laughs> man mark this has been super super fun that was like the the quickest hour i've ever chatted with someone yeah, i think it's about hour. been an hour um are there any questions that i i should be asking that i haven't or i i um, mean <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, I can I can I can blather on for another couple of hours if you want me to. Oh man! <laughs> uh, but no, uh, again, uh, again, um, these stories. Okay, uh, I'm I'm very much personally very much into family history. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and I think everybody should be into family history for sure. Oh, totally. Yeah, yeah. And when you think about that long ago that long ago was not that long ago. Mm. An example is that the first person to be born into my family in the States was uh, born in 1849. Wow. Uh, he, uh, he and other members of my family came over during the, uh, during the famine out of Ireland. Um, that fellow, the first person who was born in the States uh, he went through the whole second part of the 19th century. He was a kid when civil war happened and all that kind of stuff. My mom remembers meeting him, uh, my wow. great great grandfather, when she was a kid, and my mom's still alive today. And Man, she can tell you stories about meeting that first person to be born in the States of me, of my family. So my mom's still alive. She can relate these stories. And so when you think about stuff that that's long ago, that long ago for historical research, historical monster research, I mean, mm. I, I hung out all afternoon with one of the miners' daughters that that's long wild. ago is not that long ago. These stories are still alive and these people need to be tracked down and interviewed. 1924? No. You know, 100 years ago, 95 years ago? No they're still around. They're still yeah. here. And we need to track down each and every one of these historical stories, historical monster stories. If there's uh, younger or maybe not even younger people listening to this and they're like, well, where do I go to look for, am I going to go on the internet? Am I going to look on Instagram for this stuff? Like, where am I going to go and find this stuff? You know, <laughs> where are the unknown stories? Like, where, Oh, Jeremiah, you know? come on. Everything's on yeah. the internet. It's all. Oh yeah. Yeah. Right. Like it's all in there. So no, no. it's not on the end. No, no. Ab absolutely not. Um, with, other projects that I'm working on, you know, a little bit Ape Canyon, but other newer projects, we are 
definitely hobbled uh, by this whole virus issue and hobbled in the sense where I can't get into the county Mm -hmm. archive. I can't get into the historical research archive where I need to go. But when and if we can eventually get there, um, you need, again, track down your leads. You need to Mm. go down to the source. Um, You need to be able to get to um, the original archive. Um, okay, uh, one, one, uh, one, other ex- one other example. Yeah. Um, I found a microfilm of a newspaper mm-hmm. article of a Bigfoot attack down in Southern Oregon. Okay. And uh, the microfilm, the cameraman blurred out some of it. So I called the librarian in the small town in Myrtle Creek, Oregon. And she was, she was a cool reference librarian because she was like, you know what? I think the original paper copies are still down in the newspaper office. Uh, oh. On my lunch hour, I'm going to go down there and see if I can find it. And she went into the basement of the newspaper office for me, oh, found the original paper, clicked, took a photo, and was able to send me this Bigfoot story from, oh, that's cool. from 1936. So um, these um, archives are still there. We just need to be able to get to them. Uh, you're not going to find... 95 percent on the on instagram or right. on the internet <laughs> uh you need to go to uh the county courthouse uh for stuff like deed records mining records death records marriage records uh right. you need to go to um uh, historical societies or libraries uh mm. for newspaper microphone um you need to just find out or find out what you want to be looking for gonna okay. get a clue and where that archive is, it's going to be a lot of hunting and pecking. Some of this is indexed, some of it's not. It's a ton of hunting and pecking, but you need to be able to get down there and look That's at awesome. the actual original document record. That is really good, like solid advice. That's I think that's going to help out a lot of people, actually, to have no idea where to start. Do you have... Um, if like one of your, let's say one of your buddies is getting into Bigfoot research or like getting into Bigfoot, what do you tell them to, uh, what books do you tell them to start with? Oh my goodness. Wow. That's yeah. a, that's a great question. Mm-hmm. Um, number one, you've no, I can tell you, Jeremiah, no one's ever asked me that before. I know. Cause I've listened to all your interviews and I'm like, <laughs> why aren't we asking this guy? Um, <laughs> I gotta tell you, um, for a primer, uh, the very best, all of John Green's books. Okay. All, all, all of John Green's publications. Uh, that's uh, that's uh, number one. No, no, number one and maybe number only. The, <laughs> wow, yeah. Chris Murphy's book. I can't remember the... Uh, I can't remember the title of Chris Murphy's book right now, but that's, that's super, a lot of fun. Okay. Uh, that, that's really good. But I got to tell you um, the, the, uh, you know, you know, my gig is the historical Bigfoot research, right, right, right. Uh, old yep. stories. And uh, so, bef- you know, before John Green and the horsemen, as they say, Renee exactly. DeHinden and Patterson, um, these were all just kind of stories floating around, but in the late fifties, early 60s, these were the guys, you know, Patterson and Peter Byrne, 
uh, John Green. These were the guys who really started to get into this. And this is mm. why I'm talking to you today. Is yeah, totally. Those guys and uh, it, getting in particularly John Green because he was a newspaper man, a newspaper editor and writer. Um, he investigated thoroughly and really got down to brass tacks and wrote prolifically on that. And uh, everything basically up to his death when he was still writing is going to wow. give a solid foundation about, about how, how we got here, mm. uh, you know, how we got here. The other thing too, which actually you and I were talking about Amy Boo, that, um, you know, we, mm -hmm. Amy and I were talking this morning or yesterday that the next generation down from, uh, from, uh, you know, burn and, and green in the early seventies, mid seventies, they inspired a whole next generation okay. of researchers, many of whom are still alive today. Uh, Robert mm -hmm. Morgan, uh, Ron uh, Olson. Yeah, I'm not Robert sure. Morgan, totally. yeah, but yeah, Ron, yeah. I know that Ron Olson is, or was alive who did, um, who did the, a lot of films in the early seventies. He's still alive. Dick Grover, uh, is still alive. He's in Nevada. These guys were intensively researching Bigfoot in the early mid seventies and through the eighties. And these guys are still around again. These guys are still around. These yeah. guys need to be brought back onto the scene. Yeah. Oh, uh, John Andrews as well. I hear he's in Eastern Washington. These guys need to be brought Larry Lund. They need to be brought back on the scene and brought back on the speaking circuit because mm -hmm. you know, John, totally. John yep. Green's dead. Roger Patterson's dead. Bob, uh, Bob Gimlin's still around. And Bob was nice enough to sit down with me for about two hours. Oh, and wow. Talk about Ape Canyon. Um, oh, man. So Bob's still around. But this next generation, they're getting mm -hmm. older. They're going to die. Yeah, I think uh, Robert Morgan is like 89, I think. From because I was like, after I watched that documentary, I was like, I'm going to interview Robert Morgan today, and yeah. then it's like he's 89 years old. Okay, maybe <laughs> not. Um, and also like he, yeah, I don't know is what's going on right now, but like I am getting to the point where I will be able to do interviews over just like if the if uh, the person just has a phone, I'll be able to patch that yeah. in, which I think is pretty will be good for like maybe the older generation. I can get some of those interviews, but we'll see. Well, particularly yeah. with like Morgan or Ron Olson, who uh, were like intensively researching this and they were filmmakers. Mm -hmm. um, they're still around, but their footage that they mm -hmm. shot so is good. still around. They yep. need to be brought back in and that footage needs to be protected because there's probably a lot of stuff that didn't make it into the film that may be still in cans in their garage. So I don't want, I, you know, you don't want to think about that, but it's like, it's, it's probably true. And then there's going to be an estate sale in the future. And uh, hopefully the right guy gets there to buy it or the right gal, you know, it's yeah, just like, you right, never exactly. know. You never exactly. know. Exactly. Yep. Man, you bet. this has been super fun. Uh, <laughs> Me too. Mark, thank you for, for coming on. Like this has been a really oh, good sure. time. Um, up uh, jeremiah anytime no it's yeah. been a lot of fun <laughs> totally is there a um i don't think that you said that but it's kind of nebulous there's not a um date you're shooting towards for that book because you have to do a few more trips to get the stuff 
Yeah, I have a few yeah. more trips and I got a, about two or three more chapters to grind okay. out. Um, cool. It's a book and yeah. uh, I work as a land surveyor and as, a, as an aquarist. And also yeah, exactly. uh, we have three kids. It, it'll get oh, out, geez. but I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm, 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 I'm still shooting <laughs> for this. Uh, let's see, it's 2021. I'm still shooting for this year. Wow. More power to you, dude. No, thanks, mm. man. <laughs> cool. So I think that this is going to be, I think we'll kind of the wrap it up here again. I'm going to, I'm even going to put this in my show notes that there are other interviews of you that if people are like, wow, this is really fun. Then you need to go listen to monster X because you go crazy hard in the paint as the kids say, um, it's really good. But, um, uh, you have, uh, you are going to stay on for a few, uh, more yeah. minutes to share some more stories in the, the Patreon section, the Bigfoot society after dark. Mark is going to share some stories. Uh, if you want to hear that, you can help support the uh, podcast, $5 a month. We are at 62% listeners supported. Thanks, guys. You guys rock. Nice. But um, thanks again for coming on, Mark. This has been really fun. Oh, of course. No, it's been a lot of fun for sure. I could awesome. talk about it Canyon all day long. So <laughs> before you go, can you, in case someone hasn't heard you before, can you do a quick, like, hey, this is how you can, are you, do you put stuff out there? Can people follow you? Or like, oh. it seems like you're very busy. If you could, if well, there's stuff very, to plug, go ahead. And uh, yeah, and I am not, um, uh, I, I'm, I'm really good at working, but I'm yeah. not really good at personal exploitation, uh, mm -hmm. you know, so I don't have a podcast yet, uh, yet maybe. But you're getting uh, a book. Yeah, I'm, I'm getting Which a book out and I got to say possibly a podcast. I'm not going to like have any competition with you or anything. Oh my like that. goodness. You know, that would be amazing. I, maybe, maybe, maybe. Uh, but really, um, if you want to uh, hear me blather on about all kinds of stuff, music, uh, fishing, mm -hmm. aquarium, uh, Bigfoot, just get me on Facebook. Oh, cool. Shoot. I just noticed this whole time. Um, I'm Catherine Marcel down in the lower left hand corner. <laughs> uh, but anyway, that's great. Uh, Zoom, you've done it again. <laughs> so, um, whoops. Uh, but anyway, uh, my last name is spelled correctly, uh, but nice. it's you don't spell it like Catherine, you spell it like Mark with a C. Yeah, and, right. And uh, you can uh, just get me on Facebook. Okay. I, I basically friend everybody. <laughs> You're a nice guy. You're a nice Thanks. guy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Mark, uh, thank you so much for coming on. Good. And uh, hopefully Absolutely. we will we'll talk to you in the future uh, once your book comes out. And uh, yeah. Yes. And we'll also do not ever come to the Pacific Northwest without calling me. Oh, Mark, so give, that, give me, that, give means, me that means a lot. Yeah. Thank you. So, that means I, I, I don't know if we can go up on the mountain, but we can go out fishing or just make dinner and have some wine or whatever. That would be rock and roll. I would so, love yeah, that. Okay. That would be rock okay. and roll. All, All right. right. Thanks me. for coming on. You bet. Absolutely. Right. It was a lot of fun. Again, a big thanks to my um, new friend, Mark Marcel, out in the Pacific Northwest. Keep doing the good work of figuring out all those old-school Bigfoot attack stories and sharing them with the rest of the world. Uh, we appreciate you, and uh, go ahead and uh, pick up a copy of that uh, zine from Mark, too, while you're at it. Thank the supporting members of the Bigfoot Society Patreon. Surfetes, uh, Josh Sewich from the Starfall Collective on Twitch, Greg Morrill from the Order 66 podcast, with 
Coco Van Boxtel from Strange Little Lands, Daniel Fuller with Caveman Resale on eBay, Connor Anderson. And if you're not a Patreon member and you're just a listener, thanks for taking your time out of your busy day and spending some time with us. Uh, go ahead and uh, subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. Leave a review on iTunes, uh, Stitcher, and uh, your preferred podcast platform. And uh, if you have any stories, you can give us an email at bigfootsociety@gmail.com. Again, check out the articles we have in our preferred book list at bigfootsocietypodcast.com. You can always go to Instagram at Bigfoot Society. And we have a TikTok now. It gets pretty crazy there. Bigfoot, Bigfoot.Society at Bigfoot.Society. And if you've got a story to tell and it's related to cryptozoology or the unknown, don't be afraid to send me a DM on Instagram at Bigfoot Society. I'd love to uh, share your story with the world. Let's uh, get a squatching. <laughs> One last thing, guys. We need to talk about the Clubhouse app. Uh, it's currently in beta. It is an audio-only platform. I am currently setting up uh, the cryptozoology community on Clubhouse. So if you have Clubhouse, look up uh, my name, which is public and out there, Jeremiah Byron. And uh, it's username at Bigfoot Society. Add me so that you can be in the Clubhouse Bigfoot Society room. That'll be happening every week at uh, Wednesday night. 9:30 p.m. Central Standard Time. It's a great time. We've got a lot of people already in there. Uh, you're gonna get help, so check it out. The views and opinions expressed are those of the guest and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of Bigfoot Society. Any content provided by our guests are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, individual. Jeremy, I, I got to tell you, you got a badass radio voice, man.